people once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes, something so bad happens that a terrible sadness is carried with it, and the soul can't rest. Then sometimes, just sometimes, the crow can bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse! And we're back. Your two favorite superheroic co-hosts, here to grace your Thursday yet again. Too heroic. And this week, we are watching, or have watched, The Crow, 1994. And how are we feeling about The Crow? Y'all, I was not ready for this movie. Yeah, this was a this was a uh, quite a quite a heavy one, I would say. I know it is a beloved film, including your dad, who has begged us to watch it. Correct. For maybe years. Definitely years. Ever since we started the pod, before we started the pod. Mike could have used a warning on this one. <laughs> <laughs> like. I knew that this was like a, I, well, I didn't really know much about it. I, I knew. I only knew the really tragic the, part. The Brandon Lee side of things. Yeah. Aside from that, I knew that it was kind of like a nineties cult classic, aesthetically very dark. Uh, and that the guy came back from the dead and that's about where my knowledge began and ended. Yeah, so, like, yeah, I only knew, and really only because of, like, the recent, like, Alec Baldwin stuff, like, what had happened during this film, and so that was, of course, like, in my head, like, the whole movie, so that just, like, shrouded the movie with, like, a really, like, darkness, like, even just being, like, this feels, like, kind of icky to watch, and then, like, he gets shot so many times in this movie. Like, every scene he's in, he's getting shot. Like, it's horrifying, and then... Like, just, like, some of the parallels with his own life. Like, he was engaged, and, like, he's engaged in the movie. Like, it, and, like, yeah, coming back from the dead. Like, it was just, like, that didn't feel great. The entire movie, we're reliving a woman's rape scene where she's raped repeatedly and then beaten to death. And I'm just, like, not feeling super heroic comic booky coming out of this. This is not my brand. Well, I mean, this is definitely, like the furthest we've well let me let me think about that just trying to imagine all the movies that we've covered this is by far like tonally the darkest like i don't even know what would come close like watchmen maybe um and you know as far as the the boundaries of our podcast covering superhero things it's it's an adaptation from a comic but the comic was written by a guy. He created the character and started doing it because his fiance was killed by a drunk driver. Oh my God. And he was just grieving. So he kind of like created this character with like these parallels to kind of, I guess, work that out. So everything about this movie is coming from like a very dark place. And like, we've obviously watched like, I would say like dark adjacent stuff. Like the Punisher, for instance, is like, a really dark, uh, well, we didn't watch the show, but like even just his role Daredevil Punisher. in Daredevil. Um, the, another one that had come to mind was, um, now I've forgotten it, but. So like something that we've covered? Yeah, um, that was like on the darker side. 
I mean, I guess like Blade, I, I the the most sure. similar, and Blade is not like dark like this movie is, but I would say the, and there was like a couple, there was a couple of points actually during this movie I was like, I feel like this movie could share a universe with Blade actually yeah. in a lot of ways. It definitely could. It's it, happening down the street. They kind of happen came out around the same time, or was Blade? Blade was after, yeah. but both 90s. Yeah. Just like the whole club scene, like really grungy. There's a supernatural element to it. Level black trench coat. I mean, coat. yeah, it's so 90s. I mean, yeah. they Blade in this embraced it in different ways, but yeah, the black trench coats, which everybody's wearing. Like, not it's not just the heroes or the villains. It's also just, like, the cops. Everyone's got one. It's raining all the time. Yeah, we got, like, the most... 90s music that you could ever expect in a movie and they're playing it constantly like yeah it also had kind of like a watchman feel i guess too again like nothing has dealt with like a subject matter quite like this but um in terms of tone i would say it lived within the blade and watchman eras yeah the Um, city to me felt like gotham from the batman yeah yeah but that's a it's a little campier in Batman, but yeah, kind of similar. And that was, you know, 90s. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it all fits. It's all on brand so far. But you, you really liked it. Yeah. I mean, so I, like, when we were watching it, I was like, I definitely recognize that, like, everything about this is dark. And personally, definitely could have done without, like, the repeated rape scene flashbacks. To me, like... That's not really something I don't think uh, a movie of this, I don't know, uh, like a superhero movie is not going to do something like that anymore. Um, And the whole time we were watching it, I was like, I I get what they were doing just because they wanted to make this fucked up. But like, I don't don't know. I would have rather just like, yeah, she got killed. Like he got killed. Um, I don't know if anyone really considers this movie to be like straddling the line of like fridging. I guess I briefly looked into it and I guess, I guess not, but getting, getting past that, like, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. It, it kind of reminded me of, there's this uh, movie called the toxic Avenger, which they're actually remaking with Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, but the original version of the toxic Avenger is like incredibly, fucked up movie it's from the studio that um james gunn used to work for i believe um but it approaches it like with like the the blackest comedy possible even though like horrible things are happening all the time um so if i like approached it like that kind of and i did i liked it a lot i mean so i i kind of somewhat can put aside like the other stuff i can compartmentalize a little bit Mm -hmm. But, like, it just, it was really inconsistent for me, like, the movie itself. Like, I did laugh out loud at certain points, which was a little jarring. But then, and, like, the overall plot, I actually think, was a good, succinct movie. I kind of felt like I was watching um, that, was it Scorsese movie? After Hours? Yes, After Hours. It kind of felt like that. Like, I like that it took place all in one night. I mean, obviously with the first scene, but... um, So it was like... And it was kind of like a fever dream at a couple points. Very After Hours, yeah. And it's just like things are happening that are very bad, but they also like just put in like these moments of... 
like a punchline from from the crow or you know like the the villains doing some weird shit. But then like we have this like weird villain guy that's not really explained. I don't like the corny lines where they're like quoting like what feels like Bible quotes. I don't know his yeah. own lyrics. Yeah. I don't know. Like I didn't like any of that stuff. Like I that wasn't um, to me like if I had watched. Well, I don't know what I would have thought if I watched this at the time. If I'd watched this without like feeling icky about it, I would have just been like making fun of like this movie for having lines like that. Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised you didn't like. I mean. I, I guess bump like, on any of that kind of stuff. There are definitely, yeah, no, like I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't really like that. I didn't mind that they like were leaning into the campiness with the villains a lot, but those, uh, yeah, a lot of that, it didn't do it for me. For me, like, yeah. um, I don't know. I liked how out there it was because like we don't, we start this movie and we kind of quickly learn about like, obviously what's happened to, Eric and Shelley, but also like what the state of what I believe is Detroit. Gotham. Yeah. But basically Gotham, <laughs> um, which also fun fact, the director originally wanted to do this entire movie in black and white, except for the flashbacks. Oh, they that actually would have been good. I mean, it basically was, I mean, yeah, it was black and orange. Um, but so it's like fairly grounded. I mean, the villains are people running around like fucking people's lives up and setting stuff on fire. And then we're introduced to this dude who, despite having, like, you compared this to the Warriors or honestly, like, some early Batman shit, uh, Fun Boy? Am yeah. I remembering that correctly? His name is Fun Boy. Um, he has this, like, ridiculous, like, I mean, honestly, beautiful head of hair <laughs> on this guy. But inexplicably, just hanging out with this woman who takes people's eyes out and burns them to like see the future no no fun boy was the one with the darla oh okay okay well i don't even know if we get his name no the one that's dating his sister yeah 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 that guy he's from what uh what we do in the shadows i think <laughs> <laughs> like not actually but, but like but the vibes like, yes absolutely um he's from blade like that's what i mean yeah. like there was just this and yeah he's like sniffing or, t like, eating his cocaine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, with his eye side of eyeball. Because I think they killed that woman and yeah, ate they her. Did. they did. Or at least they just took her eye out, because that's what she kept saying. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's completely absurd. And the movie kind of tries to toe the line between genuine sincerity on account of the flashbacks and characters like Sarah and to an extent, like, the cop that's always with them, too. Like, they're the grounded characters. And then we're kind of going back and forth between that. Yeah, I mean, I... Griffin told me not to lie about how I felt about this movie because I do feel like it's a cult classic. It's a beloved film for a lot of people, so I don't want to be out here ragging on it. But I just... Um, I was really taken aback by the, the plot and how graphic it was, and was not really prepared for that. And then I just, it was hard for me to get into the movie itself, I think. But there, I mean, like I said, there were things I liked about it. Like, I did think that some of the lines were really funny. I think Brandon Lee's acting is really good in it, even if it is a little, I think it's intentionally, like, all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like, he adds Manic. in this, like, yeah, maniacal laughing and stuff. 
Yeah. Um, what the one thing that I kept thinking about, like from essentially his first appearance as the crow was, and I know that we haven't watched this on the pod yet, and I don't think you'll like it either, but Joaquin Phoenix must have just used this as inspiration straight up for his version of the Joker. Which is cool. Yeah. It's just like, I saw so much of what he was doing, like not so much line delivery wise, even though like you said, he laughs. It's like how he physically moves. He's especially like when he comes back from the dead for the first time, he's like jerking around kind of, and it's like very dramatic and has like a lot of flair to it. Yeah, he kind of was like a mix between the Joker and like a Kiss fan. Yes. <laughs> uh, or maybe a Juggalo. I was going to say. <laughs> I just learned that word and what that was today. Uh, and if you're wondering, no, a Juggalo is not a Gigolo. <laughs> In case anyone else is confused. Anyway, um, what what did you want to talk about with this movie? Like, I don't know if we'll... Like if you want to go plot by plot, like we do, I didn't take that many pretty notes. Straightforward, you know. The the plot is as simple as it gets, um, which is in its favor. It's a revenge. Also, story. like something that you would compare to the Warriors, which is also funny because the villain from the Warriors is also in this, and it took me, I didn't recognize him. I recognized him, but I had to look him up to. To figure it out. Yeah, I think it's like the Warriors and I've already forgotten the name of that other movie that I just <laughs> mentioned. After Hours. It's yes. Because it's just like, is this real? What is happening right now? That's like what I was thinking the whole time. And I thought that during like the Warriors and I thought that during After, um, hours. after hours, it's just like, uh, yeah, a fever dream. Weird shit happening in a city at night. Is yeah. A genre in and of itself. Where they're not explaining to you what's right. happening, which that doesn't bother me that they're not going to explain what is happening, that he's coming back. Like, that was one of my notes was like, why was he chosen? Why did the crow pick him to come back to life? Sheer force of vengeance. Like, was he into something beforehand? Like, are we throwing in some, you know, 80s satanic panic in here? I don't know. (laughs) It could be. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if that went into the original comic, which I know nothing about. But that started in the 80s. So, Um yeah, I, I didn't take too many specific notes because, like you said, it's really simple. Um, but off the rip, I really liked Sarah as a character. Um, I thought she was, like, a great addition to this movie. But I was also, like, I sense bad things for her already. Like, as soon as she was introduced, oh, I was like, yeah. uh, like at the, the scene early on in the hot dog stand, I was like, she's going to get, like, kidnapped or something and this dude's going to die. Uh, which I was fortunately wrong about that. Right. Uh, barely. <laughs> I mean, bad things did happen. He almost died. Sure, but he didn't die, you know. And he quit smoking, so everything's going to be fine. Yeah, was that his other power? He can, like, make people withdraw immediately from a drug? I, I, it's a pretty good power, honestly. Yeah, it really helped Darla. Often. This is a good one to pull from, like, which superhero power do you want? <laughs> you, can take, you can take heroin out of someone's bloodstream. Yeah, a pretty selfless person would probably pick that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have that. Nothing many. else. You're like, I can do as many drugs as I want. <laughs> just go zoop. It, I meant more to other, help I, other people. I know. I know. I was All just right, like, good. maybe the one selfless, the one not selfless person who would take that power. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, she was good. And I did sometimes feel like she was in her own movie. Like, 
And I hate, this is so flippant, but like she kind of almost felt like a Disney character where she's like, you know, the narrator. Like I felt like we were watching um, just like, I don't know, there's like so many movies from like the 90s um, that like aired on Disney Channel where she's like on an adventure by herself, like Casper, like, which is so silly. And like, (laughs) this was not silly. she's She's like acting like an adult. Like yeah. she's like a responsible child. She's got like sassy comebacks. She's a regular at this hot dog stand. She's like, like telling her mom how to live her life. Yeah. Like it just felt very on brand for like also that 90s protagonist. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoyed that and the idea of someone... It, this doesn't seem like a, a version of Detroit where you can safely skateboard around ever, especially not on the night when... Apparently, there's an all-knowing crime lord who, I guess saw on the Wikipedia, his name is Top Dollar. Sure. I just missed that. Is just, like, really into arson. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. And, like, evicting people will get him more money, which doesn't <laughs> make a lot of sense. Every building is rent-controlled, so he has no choice. He just has to get those tenants out, and then he can, he can jack it up. I guess. It didn't look like anyone had moved in. in, So (laughs) if you burn it to the ground. Ooh, turns out that makes it harder. Maybe just collecting that sweet, sweet insurance. (laughs) That's the most boring explanation to their actions. They're just pulling insurance fraud. Yeah, so his, like, main guy on the ground is T-Bird, and they're called the T-Birds, which are we making a direct Grease reference with that? Or was that accidental crease <laughs> reference uh good question did anyone else have that thought i mean i'm i am thinking it's because it's they kept they kept referring to detroit as motor city and that guy likes his car so but what's the t thunder thunderbird the uh, car is that a ford yeah yeah we all know <laughs> I just have a note here. What the fuck is going on? I think that was around the eyeball moment, which the question remains. The question does remain, and also the question does not have an answer. (laughs) Never really could answer that question at any point in this movie, to be honest with you. Also, like, really proud of the fact that he was, like, sleeping with his sister. It seemed, like, important that he told other people, no, she is my sister. Yeah. This dude is just like, he's a professional edgelord. He's like, I need people to be like, this is the edgiest man I've ever met. And it's, I, it's working. It's working. I don't think I would have minded it as much if it was in like a Batman movie where we're like making light of this. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I missed a glaring comparison from the jump of like the darkest superhero movie we've watched to date is probably the batman which also deals with like horribly horrific and tragic crimes it's actually i oh no go ahead continue please no go ahead i had said when i was comparing movies earlier i did say the batman oh i'm but sorry I think you heard batman, i thought which you were saying the 90s too, batman but yeah to, at certain points in this movie i was really getting the batman vibes yeah, and I don't know, for that, that part of it worked better for me. Also, I think, like, the rape specifically was really yeah, tough. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, well, like, that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier, is, like, that's, like, such a harrowing thing that it, it hangs over it more than 
like if she had just been like killed. Right. Plus. Because like that's, you know, every superhero has someone that dies. Also, but, that's like what's specifically driving him as well. Because right. he's like reliving every time. Right. Which like makes it extra horrible. But and yeah, for, and for, for us as the viewers, we right. get to relive that too every time. Which also, like, they didn't do it in the movie, but the comic Kickass did a similar thing, and people really come after that for being like, well, and honestly, in some ways, more like grim and dark than this movie is. Um, I think that's just like you. I don't know if, like, there's really a good way to employ that as a plot device. I think it's really hard. Yeah, I mean, it's in Watchmen, too. Right. I mean, it's not, like, a main plot, but so it's, it's easier to, like, kind of include that, I guess. Yeah, but, but it is there. So, and yeah, I think it's just the inclusion of something like that, like, dark and tragic compared with, like, the inherent goofiness of some of the rest of that movie, I guess that's what... Yeah, it was just you. too... Um, too mismatched. Yeah, or, I get that. Yeah. I do get that. I think it, it that takes it over the line that some other movies don't cross. Um, what I did like was the pawn shop, because for some reason we were watching that. It's like the place where, I guess, T-Bird's there first, and then the crow comes back later to get the engagement ring that right. had been pawned off there. And I don't know why. I was just like, I could picture the guy that runs the pawn shop in Parks and Rec just doing this. Do you remember him? The, He's the guy that has the tattoo machine in the back of his shop. Oh, I'm like, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. seems like this kind of guy. <laughs> I mean, there's a vibe with the pun shop, you know, uh, yeah. in all sitcoms and stuff in pretty much any media ever. I've never been in a pawn shop myself to confirm the veracity of these. I've seen from the outside. It's enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of my other notes include, <laughs> Everyone in this movie just looks like a less famous version of other actors. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought. Oh my that god! What a what a wild thing to say. That's the main hilarious. bad guy looks like James Franco. Darla mm -hmm. looks like. Um, I should have written some of these down. She looks like Drew Barrymore. I think. Yeah, I see that. Um. The cop reminded me of somebody else, too. But I also did know him from something. Oh, he kind of reminds me of, like, uh, Danny Glover in... Um, He's totally like Danny Glover, in, yeah. In uh, Lethal Weapon? Lethal Weapon, yeah. Um, there were some other ones. Oh, and um, Brandon Lee looks like... Uh, I said this during the movie... Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves which yeah. this movie is also like such a precursor for like the Matrix. Um, but yeah, so there was a couple of where I was just like, these just look like other people that are like famous now, yeah, I guess. Definitely. I mean, I don't know if anyone from this movie really got super famous. I don't think so. I mean, like, I think the the ones that people would know the most are like David Patrick Kelly, who is the one from the Warriors. And, like, Ernie Hudson, who played the cop, who have had, like, steady careers, but yeah. not, like, stars. I mean, Brandon Lee would have been if he yeah. had survived, like, after this. Absolutely. And, like, I mean, that also, obviously, this movie came out. I don't know what the reception was like, but I'm sure it was not easy getting, like, moving from this and, like, how it was probably released to getting other jobs and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. This this was like a, as far as the release back in '94, it was a it was a sleeper hit. It made money and it was it got like good reviews, but I think people really picked up on it later. Apparently, Roger Ebert said it was like the best 
comic adaptation he'd ever seen, which is pretty Who wild. Who is that? Roger Ebert. He's like the movie critic. He he was yeah. Around thank for you really for sharing that for everyone very, else very that didn't time. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the listeners from uh, Ebert and oh, I can't remember which one came first. Ebert and Siskel. They had like a show where they would review movies. Um, they were they were the dynamic duo of movie reviews. Here's a fun fact for you. Um, something that I cannot possibly fathom. The guy that directed this movie said that when he met with the executives, um, they wanted to make The Crow into a musical. I could see it. A musical starring Michael Jackson. I could see I think I've heard this fact before, actually. It was about the <laughs> Michael Jackson thing. And uh, he cracked up because he thought it was a joke. But... In fact, they were quite serious. I think this could do really well as a musical. I think it could use some music. Yeah, well, I mean, it's got some, but I get what you mean. I wonder if anybody's ever tried. I mean, I would say that it, maybe not because no one wants to, like, touch it because it's... Like, oh, yeah. I mean, no one... they're rebooting should, it, so... I know, they probably should not do that. Yeah. Uh, doesn't feel great. But I do... I was happy to see that, like, um, when the movie was released, like... The, the proceeds were mostly used to, like, help um, Randall like, fiancé and her family. Um, and then, like, the rest was donated to charity because he was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And he didn't, yeah. like, reveal that until, like, 20 years later because he's like, it's not charity if you get the credit for it, which I thought was cool. The and, like, producer? The director yeah. said that. And then, of course, like, Brandley's fiancé like, gave them the, like, blessing to, like, keep making it and stuff, which... Obviously still horrible, but to me it makes it feel like a little less Yeah, because it's not like a money grab. Yeah, what other facts did you have about, like, the movie itself? Like, about, like, the making of it and yeah. stuff? Um, well, I saw, like, an interesting thing, which is, like, it's such a horrible situation, but, like, of course they had to, like, keep working, even though, like, most of his scenes had already been done, so they were, like, bouncing around through different methods to figure it out, and they did wind up using, like, a combination of body doubles and like digital effects and just like a lot of like little workarounds. I think they had some of the producers do like some voiceover work that like helped explain things. I don't know. But one thing that I saw was, um, I guess I already mentioned the black and white thing. Um, they thought about basically making like a mask that someone would wear in the scenes. Uh, it was like a mold of Brandon Lee's face that they were going to use. Um, That's kind of creepy. It is creepy. And they tried to do the scenes, and the cast and crew were like, mm -mm, nope, yeah. we're not doing this. And they destroyed the prop, and they used like digital stuff to fill in the gaps. Yeah, I mean, now you could definitely like do more stuff digitally, but like whatever they did, like I wouldn't have been able to tell like what was added in after the fact or what scenes were shot when or anything. No, like it's, that. it's completely unnoticeable. You, you wouldn't know, especially like if you didn't have the context for it, you wouldn't think anything of it. Um, and apparently the car chase sequence, um, was done with miniatures because they didn't have money or space to actually shoot a full car chase. Oh, that's cool. Which I just I love a miniature. Miniatures are so fun. Have you seen... Love a practical uh, stunt. Yes. One of my favorite examples of a miniature... Star recent, Wars. Yes, it is Star Wars. Well, of course they did everything. <laughs> I know. That's but what I thought you were the saying. the one thing that I, I just recently saw it, which, I mean, enjoy this tangent. In episode one, when they have the pod racing sequence, there's like a, there's stands full of cheering fans, and you don't really see them. Um, apparently, 
to accomplish that effect, they took a bunch of Q-tips and painted the actual like cotton part a different color, set them like all over like a miniature stand thing, and then blew a fan on it to make them like wiggle around. That's so funny. I did not know they used as much miniatures for the prequels. Actually, I, they probably like painted over a bunch of it with yeah. shitty '90s CGI anyway. But I just I, I love that. So makes me happy that they used some of that for this movie too. Because I can't imagine the budget was that high. <laughs> Oh, for this, for definitely. This. I mean, yeah, it's all, like, on a small set and stuff. But I like all that. Like, that's the stuff I like about the movie. It feels like a play. Yeah. Um, where everything is, like, happening at once. It's in a short time frame. Um, this would... I, I wonder if they... Uh, there's probably not a play of this. Like, this would be very well... Uh, I know you were talking about the musical, but it would work really well as a play, I think. No, it definitely would. Yeah, like, like we mentioned the Batman, like original Batman, has a very similar vibe. Like it's clearly a set. It's not meant to be emulating real life. It's ultra stylized, and I just think it's so cool when movies do that well. Yeah. Also, we get the Batman similarities with like the disappearing act. Yeah. And then he, the cop, even says the line, "He does that sometimes." And I was like, "Are they making a wrath?" <laughs> I hope so. They must be. So Batman. Um, also, so Batman is the crow burning his logo into the ground with gasoline uh, after he ties T Bird into his car and blows him up. Christian Bale's Batman does exactly the same thing on the side of a bridge in The Dark Knight Rises. It could be an homage, but it also just triggered the same thought for me, which is like, how much time did you take to do this before enacting? You mean the character? Yeah. (laughs) Like you got, you got to the scene of you killing this guy like an hour early just to like, no, we saw hmm. him doing it. He just, we saw him finishing it. It's part of his powers. He can just always create a crow. But it's he has really to the gasoline. <laughs> okay, well, it's definitely more flagrant of a violation for Batman then because people needed help. <laughs> and he was like, let me paint the side He's of a He's giving them help. Quick. He's giving them hope. That's exactly some shit he would say. Yeah, I know. I know Batman really well. I'm giving them hope. Alfred. <laughs> There's hope they need in the dark. <laughs> oh my God. Hire Maul for the Batman, Batman sequel. Here? Oh my God. Oh, he's ah! gone. We didn't even see him leave. He does that. Ah, uh, classic. I mean, honestly, I don't have that many more notes on this. I've said all mine. I've said yeah. my piece. Well, I mean, yeah, I think we've we've gotten our hot takes out. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, if you have the stomach for it, or maybe honestly, even if you just know in advance if that's something that might bother you, I still think it's worth a watch if you're curious about why it's a cult classic. Yeah, I mean, I in after the fact, I'm glad that I've seen it because I do think it's a cultural touchstone in a lot of ways. But, yeah, just kind of know what you're walking into, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's a, it's a dark watch, you know? Like, the, the last three movies that we've covered on this podcast, it doesn't really fit in with those. It's, this is not like Shazam. This is not a family fun good time. Yeah. It's it's not like as as we said it's not really like anything right yeah but yeah the Batman also started out really tough and I had to you know get past that watching the Batman too yeah yeah absolutely um yeah I'm struggling to think of any 
games to play with this one. I don't I don't know if there are. Well, what animal no. oh. would you have as your linkage to life? Like so the crow. It's, you know, I feel like a, a fundamental flaw. Also, was there like, ever a murder of crows on set? Probably. Actually, I think I saw that none of the birds were actually crows. Wow. Which just feels like I've been defrauded. Um, what would I pick? Keeping in mind, you do have to create an outline of it whenever you kill someone. Oh, well, that makes it harder because I was going to pick I was going to pick a squirrel because they're everywhere. <laughs> And they're fast and they're nimble, but I can't fucking draw I a squirrel. I can't believe you picked a squirrel. I love that. Now you have to keep that. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can do the squirrel. I'll figure out how to draw a simplified squirrel. Might be hard with the gasoline, but... i not sure what I would pick. I like the bird thing yeah, happening. Yeah, you pick a cooler bird. Yeah. A more effective bird, perhaps. What would be a more effective... I don't know. Like you know, a blue like a, herring? Oh, how oh, beautiful. <laughs> uh, you know, the crow obviously did its job. It did kill somebody in this movie, but like, you know, like a, I don't know, like a falcon or something. Crows are supposed to be really smart. Oh. I think. Oh. They're like, I think really like intelligent creatures. All right, don't come for me, crows. If you're, if you're listening to this, I, I didn't mean to rag on you. I think that's why they're used in Game of Thrones too, because mm. they're supposed to be like smart. That makes the sense. Three-eyed crow. Yeah. Wait, or three-eyed raven. raven. Okay, but guys, they did. They... Don't don't at me for that one. Yeah. Maybe it's just I raven. There was something else about they're crow. kind of in the same family. Yeah, it's close enough. No one will notice the difference. Um. Yeah, or maybe a lion. Oh. Ooh, a white. Uh, Cyber or Siberian tiger. Oh shit. That one I'll fuck you so up. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't even need to do anything, just sick your tiger on people. <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh yeah. That's what that's what mine's gonna be. Right. I know I just really pivoted. That's but... fine, we can team up. The squirrel can ride around on the, <laughs> the Siberian tiger's back. Um I just feel like you're the squirrel from Ice Age. Scrat, how dare you? How dare you? Okay. <laughs> Look, that our podcast is also, you know, the we're getting, you know, high and highs and lows here. Yeah, I bet this isn't how you expected this episode to end. But we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back in your feed next week, back in the MCU, so a bit a bit brighter than this time. Yeah, we'll be going back to our our friends in the galaxy. Oh, the Guardians. I think so. <laughs> oh my goodness, is that right? <laughs> I, I took so. my glasses off. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, what? Is it not? No, it, oh. <laughs> it is. I thought you were doing a bit. <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit like, I don't know. And I'm like, don't you know? <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> yes. It is Guardians right. of the Galaxy Volume 2 next week. Let us get out of this. <laughs> this Whatever this is. All right. Until next time, we, we are, are out, out of the, the Superverse. Super